Listen, are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. Okay, Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. In just a moment, we'll be taking you over to hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. But as always, we like to kick things off with a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Wednesday, September 8th. That's Thursday, September 9th, if you're joining us through the magic of shortwave. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Emma Benack and, Les- and Leslie Liao. Hello. In just a moment, we'll be taking you over to look at uh, some new Chinese language centers that Taiwan has opened in the U.S. and plans to open before too long in Europe as well. So maybe some Chinese language education coming to a town near you. Also, we'll be telling you about where it is in Taiwan that people spend the most on food. Taiwan's a famously food-obsessed nation, but uh, a place where they're spending the big bucks may surprise you. Also, another story of lost and found. A man loses a whole bunch of money and the police got to track him down. We'll find out what happens next in just a moment. news for I don't know how long now uh, but uh, the China sponsored Confucius Institutes which are language and cultural centers have been closing down in increasing numbers uh, in places like the US where for instance the US State Department has labeled them foreign missions and made them follow certain rules Um, so uh, that leaves sort of a vacuum for the Taiwanese alternative to step in and do so it is albeit maybe a bit slowly Uh, Recently, uh, the Overseas Community Affairs Council minister arrived in the U.S. He had quite a busy schedule. He was in the L.A. area, and he's going to San Francisco, Chicago, D.C., and New York as well to open these new centers, and they're called Taiwan Centers, uh, suitably enough, I guess, because Taiwan sponsors them. It tells you exactly what you need to know. (laughs) Everything you need to know is in the name. Um, This first school that we opened was uh, a couple days ago at the Taiwan, at the it's, well, it's called the Taiwan Center for Mandarin Learning at the Irvine Chinese School in Orange County. And uh, he said that in contrast to the China-run Confucius, Confucius Institutes, uh, these Taiwan-funded centers will provide liberal-minded learning programs without any of the political baggage that comes with the Confucius that centers. That sounded pretty pointed. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds... There is actually a Confucius, it's a Confucius Institute. Is that what the other one was called from China? There was one at my university. Mine as well. I, do, I toured it once. Oh, really? Yeah, we went inside. It didn't look like a, like a spy operation or anything, but uh, no, apparently the U.S. No. State Department seems to think that maybe they're a bit suspect. Um, I've heard that it's since closed down. I can't confirm that. But for what reason is not clear. Last I heard, a lot of them shut down. Uh, whether from U.S. government pressure or because of disagreements with the host. Uh, is yours still around? And did you ever go inside uh, to check it out? I I went in, but I think it was just kind of um, 
an extension of the Asian studies department. I just had like a little office. There wasn't much going on there. Um, they were just really committed to having us try to enter this Chinese bridge competition. Like they kept pushing this competition where we were supposed to learn like how to sing Chinese opera or learn some traditional Chinese instrument, which I mean, does sound very interesting, but I remember like my first semester freshman year, I really didn't have time to be sitting around learning the like I don't know, like the peepaw. What do you mean bridge? I don't know. It was I just thought, called Chinese bridge competition. I thought like Chinese I think bridge. it's that supposed like a card to. Game. Uh, it does. Uh, unfortunately, it's not. It's actually, I guess it's supposed to like bridge the U.S. and China. And so they have these competitions in the U.S. And if you advance far enough, then you get to go to China and be on this like TV show competition. That's kind of humiliating, actually. That does. You guys, you guys are two very different that <laughs> reactions. That sounds... It reminds me of those TV shows here where they have foreigners like behave like they're in a circus, you know? It's the foreigner zoo. Monkey in the zoo. Yeah. Yeah, so I did because, not have time Because do you that. really think that they're going to be like that proficient that people are going to actually go, wow, I think they're mostly going to be job. like... They're mostly going to be like, what was that? <laughs> what was that? Um, okay, well, uh, for, for better or for worse, uh, the, that seems to be uh, out of the picture for a lot of universities. And so Taiwan's trying to move in, uh, especially as uh, the people in D.C. try to find an alternative source of Chinese language instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, Dong, our, our uh, minister of the Overseas Community Affairs Council, who was at the sort of ribbon cutting, says that uh, he says that Beijing's what he refers to as constant meddling in U.S. academic affairs has become intolerable. Yikes. And Taiwan's free institutions are ready to help. That's a quote from him. It's not pointed. That just um, aims straight <laughs> at somebody else. Got yeah. right to the topic everyone was mm-hmm. avoiding. Well, I think politics aside, uh, the best Chinese teachers I had, and I had teachers from both sides, so I'll be very fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to say that uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, pedagogy, just making things that are difficult stick, uh, the Taiwanese teachers were always uh, quite good. And I went and studied again here. I never studied formally in China, so I can't uh, comment about uh, the teachers that they have in the country, but uh, I'm just talking about it at my university. And then I went and studied here, and I think that anyone who's learning Chinese really should aim to do that because it was really a great and scary experience. They're kind of intense, these teachers. Yeah, I, I actually studied with Chinese and Taiwanese professors in the U.S. and then also studied Chinese in China and in Taiwan. Okay, you've got a better perspective than what was, <laughs> yeah, what was your, that go? What was your, what, 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 I mean, so politics aside, I mean, what do you think about the different, were there differing approaches did you find? Mm, I mean, just from my personal experience, I felt like the Chinese teachers were a little more strict to go by the book exactly and actually the last Chinese professor I had um, she wrote a textbook and made us all buy it and I hated it I really really hated it because we were learning all of this classical Chinese like very high level stuff with words that I have since never heard I've never heard them again Mm -hmm. and you know there's a time and place to be learning that but at this point i still could barely have like a conversation like a fluent conversation Mm. about more daily topics and i felt like the teacher was just trying to get us to buy her book and uh, i felt like when i came to taiwan to study there were a lot of um i think like ncku is just a really great university Mm. and they organized so many activities outside of the classroom that also promoted chinese learning but in a more I don't know, real life sort of setting. And Mm. I really loved that. And 
I really liked learning Chinese in Shanghai as well, but I think the program was just organized a little different as this intensive program where we were just kind of studying How all the time. Living in Shanghai compared to Taipei. I'm curious. I haven't been to Shanghai in like 20 years. Um, I haven't been in more than a decade. Yeah. Shanghai was very cool. Um, I got to explore a lot of it because like I said, it was a very intensive course. So there really wasn't time to explore outside of Shanghai. So mm. I got to know Shanghai pretty well. Mm. Um, but that pollution, man, it's, it's bad. Like I developed this cough that didn't go away until like three weeks after I got back to the U.S. Oh, wow. And my roommate got an upper respiratory infection that she had to go to the doctor for. So that is no joke. It was no joke. Yeah. yeah. I, I found out well, when I was studying at NTU, that um, there was a lot of very careful individual attention. Any mistake you made would be immediately, like it would be corrected out of you. Like they ironed out all of your, <laughs> they're extremely picky. But uh, I find that uh, uh, the, the teachers who are trained here, uh, I think that we have a very good uh, at places like a National Taiwan Normal University, for instance, there's mm. a Chinese teacher training program that really gets them, I don't, I don't know what the magic sauce is, but it really, it makes a difference. Oh. Uh, in three mo- a three-month summer program here, I came back and tested out of an entire year of our regular program. Oh, just, wow, that's awesome. Just because they make you, like, mm-hmm. they make you, they push you. Um, so I think it's something that everyone who's interested in learning the language should consider coming here and checking it out when mm. after this uh, whole COVID mess is over. If you're in the U.S., though, meanwhile, it says that actually... Uh, Taiwanese already own or are affiliated to 361 language schools in the U.S. And uh, there were 7,800 Taiwanese citizens working as language teachers in the U.S., which I didn't know. I only encountered one, but I mean, she totally changed my life. I'm here in Taiwan now because of her. You know, same story. So, yeah. (laughs) um, But language teaching was very effective. Um, Soon there will also be three centers in Europe. It doesn't say where, but I imagine we can, the U.K., so probably London. France, probably Paris, and Germany, I don't know, Berlin or somewhere in the West. And uh, he doesn't actually say that we're challenging the Confucius Institutes. He was asked directly about that and said, no, we're just working with the U.S. government to put Taiwan's advantages to use. So, uh, yeah, all the local dignitaries were there, like mayors and such, and they all said that, um, you know, uh, well, one thing that I thought was especially important uh, is uh, that... This Taiwanese American mayor said that uh, it would educate the U.S. public, among other things, about the differences between the two sides of the strait, which I think is something a lot of the average American really doesn't know a whole lot about. Um, you know, not at all. I mean, like I said, pledged I was... to defend Taiwan, <laughs> and uh, but I doubt very many people in my hometown could tell you where it is. So, um, yeah, all very good things happening, and uh, I really hope that they get out of the big cities because, like where I'm from, there's no chance to learn except online so maybe into some uh, less urban or or uh, sort of uh, diaspora heavy areas would be nice as well okay where in taiwan are people paying the most for food you, you could be it's it is surprising to me because taipei is the place with i think by far the highest cost of living you've lived elsewhere in taiwan i think you'd agree yeah <laughs> my my food bill has definitely gr- grown since i got to taipei from tainan how was it or, like how did, has it changed uh are you eating as well as you are in tainan we're in taiwan and tainan mm, be honest it's cool 
no. <laughs> there we <you laughs> go. A solid no there. There but she is. I think there's also the influence of the storms, the tropical storms that I guess happened after I moved to Taipei mm. that really influenced vegetable and fruit prices. So the things timing. in general have just gotten more expensive. That too. Uh, so yeah, this is a study done by the Cabinet's Statistics Bureau, and they just find Taiwan to be Taiwanese people to be foodies in general because the average Taiwanese household spends about 26.5% of its uh, income on food. Um, that's is that a typical worldwide, do you think? I'm not sure. I'm not. It doesn't say here. However, what it does say is that uh, that's about a quarter of the income. And you might think that uh, the place with the highest cost of living, Taipei, might be... Uh, driving people to spend the most on food, but that's not the case. In fact, the place that spends the most money on food is Pingdong, Taiwan's southernmost county. And uh, the average household there spends about 31.8% of their income on food, which is quite it's astounding. Weird. It's weird because everything down there is pretty remarkably inexpensive from a Taipei person's perspective. Yeah. Um, what they say is... Uh, you know what they attributed oh. to? They attributed to Pingdong's thriving seafood industry. But it's all locally caught, isn't it? It is. So it is all locally caught. It would be less expensive than when they fly it. They literally, in some cases, fly it into Taipei every day. Maybe some they're just markets. volume eaters, you know? They just, they, they eat like, by they volume. People want to pay for the really good stuff. Like, that's super high. I'm just yeah, thinking, because yeah. the bananas are often grown there. The oh, coconuts are all grown there. So, so much of, like, the raw materials the, the ingredients are grown there it's i guess when you when you live in that kind of environment you want to take more? advantage of what that environment has to offer mm. um they they definitely did say ping dong definitely called out taipei they're saying well our food is cheaper and it tastes better so of course you'd want to buy more <laughs> of course you want to buy more and here's the funny thing second place is Tainan. Oh, yeah. And Tainan, but Tainan sends, spends about 28.3% of their income on, on food. I cannot confirm nor deny exactly. Would you like to comment on that, being our resident... Tainanese. Um, I definitely, like, food was definitely, I would say, my biggest mm. expense. Definitely was not my rent. Um, it was, I guess, food because there were just so many places open all the time. So many, so many different things that you could try. I mean, at the night markets, you would just go. Th I mean, not recently, but you would just go with friends, and like everybody would get so many different things to just try out. I don't really buy anything at the night markets here in Taipei anymore. Yeah, it used to I be walk really around and go, fun. Eh. And then now nah. I'm just like, eh, but same like, thing. You go out to dinner with friends. I feel like at a, re a Western restaurant, everyone gets their own dish. But all of a sudden, when you're at like a Taiwanese style place, everyone's just like, okay, let's just order a whole bunch of things. Let's and just you completely lose track of what you've ordered. And you think you have everything. And then like five minutes later, like 10 more plates come out. And you're like, all right, I guess, I guess, guess we got to finish this. This is <laughs> happening. This is happening. My favorite place for that to happen is in Tainan. But Mine as well. It's got the, by far the best food. Tainan's got the best food, in fact. But the thing is, Tainan has a lot of they feuded last year with Kaohsiung like oh, the two mayors what? feuded over who had the best uh like one of the best dishes I think Ooh. um braised pork rice was the thing and they they, they showed down well, but Kaohsiung is definitely not beat out Tainan when it comes to how much their residents spend that's to eat. fair that's very so fair you got Pindong, Tainan and is Taipei not even in the top three it doesn't even say it just says the oh. top two and it says the actually <laughs> Pingdong 
It's been, this is the fifth consecutive year that Pingdong has ranked at over 30% of income going That's towards food. That's just weird. Are they just eating a lot more seafood than us? Or? I guess like, so. I guess if it's a percentage of their income, it's possible that maybe their incomes are lower. Down. Income. Well, they probably are, but they have, you know. But then again, they do have some delicious food. Like Taipei is a, the Taiwan Black Tuna Festival happens in Pingdong I've every never year. heard of this festival. It's, oh, it's so good. I've heard they, of the Flying Fish Festival in uh, Orchid Island. They I do think. good they do good sausages, but that's when the the migratory patterns of the tuna, I I forget what it is, but the tuna they pass through Pingdong and then that's when it's like it's a great catch. So that's why it's just all sashimi all the it's time. It's all sashimi. It's all, <laughs> oh, I love I love Pingdong like fish, man. It's 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 I will vouch for Pingdong mm. seafood. Um but they're also saying it's not just you also get the most bang for your buck down there also like when, it, when comparing average sizes of portions, Ping Dong is kind of like the America of Taiwan, apparently, <laughs> because they give you a lot of food for what you pay for. Mm. Um, and then there's just saying that it's not just that, but you can get what well, was like, what do you like? Do you like soups? Do you like stews? Do you like uh, hot, cold dishes, salty, mm. sweet dishes? The answer seems to be all of the above. It's judging all by the above. What's not to like? I mean, 30 percent of the in- third. I can't imagine what I spent 30 percent of my income on. Maybe rent. Yeah. I mean, me, like rent, a... rent's a big killer. So I guess in Pingdong, rent might be lower in Pingdong too, actually, mm. and come to think of it. And um, yeah, that's why that's, I mean, I would, you know what? This has got me thinking. Maybe well, I got to go they're not paying Pingdong for public next. transportation because they don't have any. They don't. Basically. I mean, we oh, have yeah, that's, buses. That's very true. In Tainan, I rode my bike everywhere. And now it's like, okay, Taipei public transportation isn't super expensive, but it's a cost that I never had to use before yeah. how'd you how'd you do that because tainan is like it's, it's it's not very bicycle friendly in my mind. to me i was driving down there like last month and i was like this place is simultaneously large and small at the same time i felt like i lived in a really central location so most places weren't more than a 20 minute bike ride from gotcha. where I lived. yeah gotcha. but it's, it's weird like ever since coming here i even though tainan is obviously super hot too like these past few days i've not wanted wanted to ride my bike in like direct sunlight like i'll i'll rent a bike when it's later in the day but we've changed you yeah <laughs> welcome, getting lazy. welcome well, to the north emma spending, spending less on food too i imagine yeah yeah do we got any comments before we move on uh well we got well get this uh someone's watching us from nepal Ooh. Prembar Adhikari. I hope I said that right. And then we got Javid Iqbal from Pakistan saying hello. We got Muhammad Salim Akhtar also said informative and interesting. Well, thank you. We hope we can keep you interested and informed <laughs> at the same time. Let us know if you pay that much for food. Let us know. <laughs> Well, maybe it's just because they don't have as much serious crime to deal with, but Taiwanese police are definitely uh, hardworking when it comes to the little things, like things that police in other parts of the world might not put so much effort into. Things like tracking people down who've left money in the open. (laughs) I mean, would you believe it? Like, this money to have existed and to have stayed lost for as long as it did. How much was it, first of all? It's just, it's not that much. It was a minor, it was a nominal amount. It was 3,000 New Taiwan dollars. It's about 90 about, US. Uh, yeah, about 90 US dollars. Here's the thing, though. This happened at a convenience store in Taiwan, and I kind of relate to this because how many times have you walked into the fr- the kitchen, opened the fridge, and be like, what was I looking for? Too that's, many to count. <laughs> that's happened to me, too, but this is kind of like the ATM equivalent of that. So apparently 
what happened was a man in Taoyuan City, he went into a convenience store. He went to the ATM to take some money out. And he got the money. He put the money on top of the ATM. Oh. And then he took his card out. And then he just left. And then uh, a convenience, the convenience store clerk, while they were cleaning up the store they're just like well that's strange there's a stack of money on the top of the atm and they just thought like someone will come back for it so they just kind of took it and uh kept it behind mm. the counter but even like until late at night like nobody came to claim the money and he's like well that's strange so he called the police and um he called the police and the police were just like well i guess we can just look at the uh, the convenience store camera yeah they've got one trained on every atm in the country pretty, pretty much. much and then uh, they tracked this guy down and then he was just like oh yeah i, I guess i did forget to take he was my probably money really like like freaked out when he saw like police trailing him yeah, like, what did like, I do? and then they just come up to him with a stack of bills he's like there you go friend and i'm just like he's just like oh usually they come, I guess police I come after you for the money. opposite reason i would be so embarrassed i <laughs> I mean, there's a picture of, like, the police handing over this money to the man, and they've censored out his face. They've uh, mosaiced his face, and I'm guessing just because he doesn't want people to know he's got 3000 to leave at ATMs. Mm, all $90. He's loaded. He's like, this has changed to me. <laughs> yeah, so um, here's the interesting thing, though. But when they were looking for this man, they put, they found his face. They meshed his face, and then they, I guess they found his name. But his name popped up over a hundred times. So, like, he's got a hundred people out there with the exact same name. It must be a common did. name, then. It yeah. is a very common name. It's I mean. also pretty impressive that they were able to match his face while he was wearing a mask. True, That's everyone's true. wearing masks these days. Yes. And um, luckily for the authorities, there was only one man in the district where they were in Taoyuan that had that name. And they're just like, well, I guess we'll go find him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I... I forgot. So to he take didn't even money. remember having forgotten the money. No, he's he just he left it there. Like I, I, you know what? I did that last week too. What happened was, or t two three weeks ago, I went to buy some clothes, and then I I paid for it, and then put my wallet back into my pocket, and I just left. And there's like, sir, you forgot your bag of clothes. I like, do that all the time. Like, oh, <laughs> I do that all the time. Thinking, I'm thinking about something else. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm thinking about it, like getting my wallet and all my possessions like where it needs to be. And then by the time I'm done, I'm just like, like I'm not even thinking. Where about else clothes. do I need to be in a couple of minutes? Like, okay. <laughs> Pretty much, man. That's and exactly the same you've process. Left your purchases. So when I was, when I saw this story, I was like, oh, I totally Relatable. relate to this. I could, I could totally and completely relate to this. Yeah, my friend actually had a kind of crazy experience, also losing money or his wallet at a Seven Eleven. But the police were not as helpful in the beginning. Oh. They came and they were just like, hmm, like they looked around and they, uh, for some reason the cameras hadn't been able to catch the exact angle of where his wallet had gone. And they're like, okay, you have to come to the police and report everything. And we went, we're going through the whole process of replacing all his important cards and everything when suddenly he gets a call, like a call from the police at his workplace saying that his wallet turned up like... I don't know, an hour's drive away from where oh, he had weird. been. No. They left it in a taxi so <laughs> or, like, it, or a train or... It, it, turns, it turns out like someone was visiting a friend in that town, picked up his wallet, and then that person went home. And then gave and the then wallet gave it, to somebody else. Yeah, but like waited a significant amount of time um, and then turned it into the police. It was just a very strange situation. I got... I got notified, but like I didn't even realize. I went out with my friends once, and then apparently I left my ATM card somewhere, and I didn't even realize it was gone until the police texted me the next morning. They They're just like, "We uh, you? we have your debit card, Mister Liao," and I was like, "Really?" I was like, "Oh, 
I guess they do because I was looking at my wall. I'm like, oh, I'm I don't have my. I guess you guys do. And then I I made the trek down there, and they're just like, yeah, yeah we have it. And I was like, oh. In many other parts of the world, that debit card would be long it gone. It would be gone, man. People would be trying With to figure wallet, out how to get into my stuff. No, never be seen again. It's I've left gone. my wallet on park benches before. Like Taiwan has made me too soft. I'm gonna go <laughs> back and I'm not gonna to gonna New be, York and not last a day. You won't even last. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I'm hyper vigilant when I leave now because I realize that I'm too comfortable with things, mm-hmm. like like leaving your wallets around. Any more comments before we go? Tyus uh, Nifidilis says, hello. Uh, hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Our, our viewer from Nepal says, super hit program. All right. And uh, you are a super hit audience member. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trias. I'm Leslie Liao. I'm Emma Banat. Don't go anywhere just yet, because coming up next, it is hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. Every week on this show, we take a look at what's trending online in Taiwan. It could be from social media, it could be a YouTube video, or it could just be a piece of news people online are talking about a lot. Now this week, I'm going to be telling you about Taiwan Plus. It's something you might not have heard of. Well, actually, given that this happened around a week ago, you might have heard of it by now. This is a new initiative the government is spending 1 billion new Taiwan dollars on. And it's a new English platform that came out. Originally, officials had slated this for a 2021 January 1st release, but it hit a few snags along the way. But last week, it finally came out, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Anyway, enjoy this week's Hashtag Taiwan. Last week, I told you about Taiwan X. This week, I'm going to be telling you about Taiwan Plus. And if the comedy gods allow, in the next two weeks, I'm going to be telling you about Taiwan Minus and Taiwan Divide. So what is Taiwan Plus? Well, to tell you that, we have to go back to July 2020. Back then, the Taiwanese government was looking to develop and establish an English-language multimedia broadcast platform focused on Taiwan. The plan was to spend 1 billion new Taiwan dollars to develop an online streaming platform where people could find news, programs, features, documentaries, and other content about Taiwan. A lot happened during this period, but eventually Taiwan's Central News Agency, or CNA for short, was tasked with developing the platform. The government wanted this platform to launch on January 1st of this year, but that didn't happen, so that's why we're talking about it this week. As you may have figured out, the platform is called Taiwan Plus. There was a big launch ceremony on August 30th, which important people like Vice President Lai Qingde, Legislative Speaker Yu Shikun, Culture Minister Li Yongde attended, and RTI show host Andrew Ryan. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you what he's doing there because I want to encourage you to check out Taiwan Plus. It's jam-packed with great videos and they do live newscasts multiple times a day. They got programs on lifestyle, technology, culture, and nature. Is that a pangolin? Aw, look how cute he is. Anyway, President Tsai gave a pre-recorded speech at the launch where she called Taiwan Plus, quote, an exciting new initiative to tell Taiwan's story. Taiwan Plus's mission statement on its website says, Taiwan Plus is the voice of a vibrant, free Taiwan and Asia. At a time when Taiwan's international presence is being suppressed and many voices in the region are being silenced, Taiwan Plus tells these stories in a way that informs, inspires, and empowers. Our mission is to celebrate freedom, equality, human rights, openness, and innovation, values that define Taiwan and the world in which we all want to live. Through our unique brand of digital storytelling, we aim to showcase the vibrance and diversity of Taiwan and all that this beautiful island nation has to offer. Now that is something I can get behind. So go and check out Taiwan Plus. And for those of you who are worried that Taiwan Plus's great content might cut into your Taiwan Insider watch time, well, don't be. Because as many great things you can find on Taiwan Plus, you'll still need your regular dose of me. Come for the show, stay for the Leslie. That's what I say. And that's it for this week's edition of Taiwan. Well, I almost said Taiwan Plus. That's it for this week's edition of Hashtag Taiwan. I hope you enjoyed it, and I do hope you go check out Taiwan Plus. Like I said, Andrew Ryan is there, so if you're afraid of being a stranger to a new platform, well, know that you'll see at least a friendly face. Anyway, that's it for this week's Hashtag Taiwan, and like always, I'm going to encourage you to check us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook at either Taiwan Insider or Radio Taiwan International. You can find us on YouTube at RTI English, or you can even find us now on Twitter at the handle Taiwan Insider, all one word. Say something nice to us, tweet at us, leave a comment, send us a message, and I'll be sure to get back to you. And if you have any other ideas for hashtag Taiwan, or if you want me to talk about something that you saw happen on the Taiwan Netsphere that you would like explained a la hashtag Taiwan, I would be more than happy to do that for you because I have never done a fan submission on the show. You could be the first. Anyway, guys, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again soon. Masks, alcohol spray, temperature checks. People in Taiwan are used to living with all kinds of COVID-19 prevention measures. And those measures are based on our best scientific understanding of how COVID-19 spreads. But, of course, that understanding can change. I spoke to Professor Jia Si Wang at National Sun Yat-sen University. Professor Wang is the lead author on a recent article in Science, one of the world's top scientific journals. And she says we might be underestimating the role of tiny particles we breathe in spreading COVID-19. Now that, of course, has big implications for how we fight the virus. You know, as someone living in Taiwan, it's a familiar sight, I'm sure, to, to people here and, and to people around the world to see, um, you know, restaurant staff, to see people on, on public transportation wiping down tables and, and wiping down surfaces and wiping down handles to stop the spread of, of COVID-19. Have we 
overestimated how much this virus spreads through surfaces? I would say yes, because uh, the importance of formite transmission has recently to be proved as a minor transmission pathway. And it is not as important as we previously anticipated. Moving on, I guess, to this idea of the kind of droplet transmission, which is uh, you know, through kind of sneezes and coughs. I mean, anyone who's sneezed and coughed in public in the last year and a half knows that People are very concerned about infection through that particular route. But you say we've overestimated that risk. Why is that? Uh, because usually when people cough or sneeze, they can indeed produce some droplets, and usually it's larger than 100 micron. Normally they would fall down to the ground or some surfaces within a few, just a few seconds. So uh, that means they cannot travel longer than one meter. Your, your article also uh, has an interesting kind of conclusion. In Taiwan at the moment, um, part of the current regulations are that if you go to a restaurant, um, the restaurants all have these plastic dividers between seats that in theory stop droplet transmission. But your article says, has, has an interesting conclusion about that. What, what is it? Okay, that is based on a recent research. They found out that uh, the physical barriers like desk shields, they can presumably trap higher concentration of aerosols in the breathing zone. So that means that will increase the risk of inhale aerosols. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Last week, I got talking with Fiona Zhou, who is a research intern at Snowball Community, a community that promotes ethical consumption. Fiona had just spent almost four years studying in London and was back in Taiwan before she found her current interest as a research intern. Her first project was looking into Taiwan's popular online shopping sites and how ethical they are in their conduct behind the scenes. Fiona came up with the top five online shopping platforms in Taiwan. But because it is an ongoing long-term project into following these businesses, today I begin by asking Fiona if anybody has ever discovered later bad things coming from a business that has been marked as ethical. Basically, um, you know, a company, if you said the top five use uh, online shopping site in mm -hmm. Taiwan, this means that they already is a big company. And if they are a big company, we hard to find something that really have bad news or really have a bad impression on it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like people or netizen or some uh, think tank, they will kick off like, oh, they find out something that's, oh, this might be a bit bad or this might be suspicious. So people will dig on it. If a company or a shopping site who's a parent company does some bad thing for example you know like there's there's something behind that if we if for okay for this project or for in taiwan in the political issue some people or some target audience in taiwan might not favor in 
Chinese investment, right? Mm, yeah. So if we um, dig on this, we can find out. Okay, some company, some shopping site uh, background have this kind of thing, and we might score this a bit lower, or we can oh. uh, pick this up. Say, oh, they might be have some Chinese investment, or they have something that's have a close relation with China or CCP. So this is the thing that's okay. We target this and we go in deep with this. You're right. You know, sometimes these, you know, a small company. Well, I'm not saying a small company. Like assuming that one of these shopping uh, online shopping sites, actually, they might be part of a bigger company. So you know, they have a a parent company. Oh my goodness! So your research actually goes all the way up, 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 and up. Right? Mm -hmm. that yeah. That's a whole lot of research, and you have to look at the big picture. I mean, like much, much, much bigger picture too, to be able to to rate these, you know, online shopping sites as the top five good ones, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a it's a lot of work to be honest, but I. But it's also it's, exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. You know, like when you find more information, it's like wow, it's just like different impression. It's like wow, I don't think that this company will do this, but mm. they did. Yeah. So, are you saying that actually there are more than five big, you know, popular online shopping sites in Taiwan? But you've come down to these five that looks like they're they're good companies, they're safe, they're ethical. So, based on my research so far, yes, uh, not all these top five shopping sites are safe or um, ethical. I did like we did rate and rank and analyze the score for them. Not all of them are good oh. based on this ethical consumption. I know for me, I don't think about those kind of things. I don't look into those kind of things until some time ago when I interviewed Colin Hodge, right, who's um, mm -hmm. one of the founders of Snowball. I mean, I'm sure some people they care about these kind of things before they decide, you know, what site to buy things from. While others, I'm sure they don't care that much. But the thing is that um, maybe I'm more thinking about from the environment uh, side of things. Not that I'm a great environmentalist. I'm definitely not. But I think that we need to be all care about the environment. And I think yeah. maybe this is more something that I care about when I decide on buying. Are you a big online shopper yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I am. <laughs> <laughs> what kind I of things do you usually buy online? I buy all the things online. I'm all kinds really, of things. Yeah, like clothes, um, wardrobe, like anything. Like I can buy it, I will just get it online. I'm just so like this is so convenient. Things like the thing just delivered to my home, and the concierge can take it, like take it for me, and I will just go down and collect my thing. That right. like, I don't, I don't even even need to go out. So I'm so addicted to <laughs> online shop. Right. Yeah, because it's so convenient, and the thing is that you don't have to get out of the house, get a hassle of traveling, you know, and taking out the cash. You know, it could be all covered with germs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because now we, yeah, we become so virus conscious here. But you know, I, I wish that we can one day we don't have to bring cash on us. You know. We can just do mm -hmm. everything using just one mobile phone. Anyway,、mm -hmm. but we haven't gotten that there yet. That is a lot of research, and people can just cover those up, right? Yeah, so true. Yeah, people like the company or how they marketing themselves. It just really can cover something that's 
um, audience or the people, consumers that don't really want to see, they can cover it. Like, you know, like uh, the company, the marketing or the people, they are doing something like that. They understand what audience, what consumer want to see. So they will package that to a target audience. Say, oh, I know what you want to see. Oh, I know what you don't want to see. So I will just cover the part you don't want to see. And I show you the thing that you want to see. And people... Uh, People fall for it. Are, yeah, people are like, oh, I. Some people they will be like, um, I only want to see or I only want to listen the thing that I want. I want to do. I want to see. I want to listen. Mm. So yeah, like people like to favor in good news instead of bad news. Uh, hopefully that what Snowball is doing and similar, you know, organizations like Snowball um, would make companies more aware of how they should do things because maybe eventually, you know, research like you, researchers like you guys will get to them, approach them and check into their background. And they don't want people to find researchers or you guys, you know, to find anything dirty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that should be the kind of mindset that every, every company should have because you do not want to harm consumers in any way whether you're mm-hmm. in any country or anybody, just any humans, you don't want to hurt humans, you know, ideally. I know it's hard sometimes because people get away with cutting down on the cost or, um, you know, doing things the easy way. But I think ultimately it's, it's more worth it to spend more time and effort in the beginning in making your company, your product a good thing, you know, than to have consequences, face consequences later later in in life yeah you know what i mean yeah Yeah. you're listening to in the spotlight with shirley lynn has this internship made you even more interested in your job yeah so i really like to do research like i feel like research can um enhance a lot of my knowledge or find out something that i have never known before Mm new thing that I'm going to find something new. Like I can always get new information. I can get new knowledge. That is really, um, I just feel like this really excited. I, I really love it. These things that you don't learn from school, you don't learn yeah. from school. <laughs> you know? yes. Does this have any relationship to what you're going to go back for your master's program? Because you're going back to study economics. Yeah, yeah. So this, of course, can a bit, it's broaden my horizon. So you know, some um, this kind of thing that this research, this intern, do help me a lot. That I know about like more thing that people can have some, for example, ethical mindset. Or this research can help me. Um, I know how to deal with people, and I know how to understand and find out more correct and reliable reliable information mm. so this is this definitely helped me to go back uh, with the college thing and the master degree of course and this is this is uh, this is do help me a lot i think mm. have you had to talk to somebody and then got into an argument because you were trying to confirm uh, the accuracy of something do you mean in snowball yeah at snowball i mean whether doing your research project did you ever encounter getting into an argument with somebody because you want to confirm something? Uh, we not not really get into like fights or something, but we have like <laughs> to debate. Like, and of course, like we sometimes have to debate on the information or the opinion that we have 
we we got so for example like um one issue for uh, there's a, an issue about the shopping site as i found so like i feel like oh this is quite serious i might give it a bit hard detection on it for the score mm. but sometimes other people think that oh no it is not that serious we don't need to have the really heavy deduction on this but like you know people have different opinion but we have to like stand and try to convince like each other say oh like why why you think about this and why i think this is really serious so like we had like kind of this debate but we will figure it out like oh uh, maybe we can have a like middle point that uh serve both opinion oh, you so know you guys I mean? compromised okay yeah we can compromise but you know like this is the really thing that is really interesting things like even though in the team like people have different opinions so you don't need don't even say that the whole people around the world have the different opinions about one topic yeah so yeah, that's really interesting and if we have when we have the, this kind of information debate it's just like oh go back and forward back and forward say uh like what i think and how i think and we would like okay we can come out with something that is just being kind of neutral between us like oh. this who were these people that you were debating with basically colleagues <laughs> oh 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 so you have you work in a team you're not a one person thing uh report calling and i uh, found something that i will let's uh, Colin review my research and uh, he will adjust a bit and gives me some suggestion and when we doing the scoring thing and we are rating mm-hmm. uh, when we were rating and he can he added lots of opinions and um, yeah he mm-hmm. added some opinions that oh maybe he think that's way or I think that's way but it's really useful and people have different opinions since uh, it's just really let me have to consider uh, more broadly yes. so let's uh, yeah i know okay some people think that's and i'm different based on different culture or different background and the um growing environment so this is why that i think discussion with other people not not only to call in but uh, other team member mm. like uh, other member in snowball is really important mm. one last question what has this research uh, helped you understand better about Taiwanese people? So, first of all, like when you um, discuss and you find more about the shopping site, you will understand how Taiwanese people shop and how Taiwanese people to um, make a choice when they go shopping online. So, when you understand more Taiwanese, then you will know, oh, this makes sense. Like, some people will look on the cheap price but yeah. they don't care about like uh, what is the thing or the background behind the yeah. company mm. yeah but some people really uh stand in taiwanese um angle like oh we should force taiwanese we uh we have our democracy we have our human rights we are not going to we are not going to need down to chinese investments although they are a really big market mm-hmm. like this kind of thing is the really you know, I, I know it's really cool. And in Taiwan, it's really uh, cherished that only Taiwanese have this kind of, you know, <laughs> mindset and this kind of uh, opinion. Since other people don't really have this kind of thoughts in their brain since they, um, the country and the political issue yeah. among the are deep different. So this is the why I, I think that understand Taiwanese is quite interesting. Like, you know, Taiwanese have a really, really a lot of different mindset and 
eyesight about uh, an issue, especially on political side and uh, like something yeah. like that. Yeah, you're right. I think Taiwan's people are, are, you know, pretty much pretty outspoken on political issues. Well, it sounds like you have a very fun and exciting kind of job. I think it really sounds interesting just from hearing it. But also, you're right. We we have this special privilege as Taiwanese people that、uh, we are so sensitive about where we stand in the world and about our you know relationship with our neighbor. You know, so、yeah. we do have a very special privilege. Not every country has this kind of issues, but anyway. Hey, it's been really fun, Fiona, talking with you and learning so much. Well, thank you so much, Fiona, for your time, and also good luck with your, you know, as you pursue your master's program in London. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.、So、All right. Thank you, Fiona. Thank、okay. you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwanintl. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwanintl for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.